Hello and welcome to Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Before we get into talking about the Farkersons today, let me give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. Go ahead and check out their YouTube channel. They've got tons of cool stuff on there about kilts, everything you'll want to know about kilts, things that you never even thought to ask about kilts. Uh, also about the history and culture of Scotland. It's got some really cool stuff on their YouTube channel. And also go check out their website at usakilts.com. It's not just kilts, but they do produce the very finest kilts. But they also got a ton of other stuff on there that you'd be interested in if you're listening to this podcast. So go check them out, usakilts.com. I'll put the link in the show notes, unlike last time, which I forgot to do. So sorry about that. But anyway... Let's uh, let's get into talking about the Farkersons. We've got a got an interesting subject today. This is going to be roughly five things that I find are interesting about the Farkersons. Now we're not going to be super limited to five. There'll there's a couple of tangents that I threw in here deliberately, but it's going to be roughly five. So five things. Before we get into the five, though, let me tell you about what sources I went to 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 get my information for this episode. I went to the YouTube, or the, not the YouTube, the Wikipedia page, and they gave me, you know, down the links and the references, I found the farguson-clan.co.uk. So it's their UK clan site. And so I was pulling stuff from their history page on that. And also the the Wikipedia article is basically just a regurgitation of the Collins Scottish Clan of Family Encyclopedia, which you've heard me mention numerous times before this, and that just seems to be where a lot of the clan histories are pulling from. There's more to it than that. This is not a deep dive into the, the Farquharson clan, and I'm I'm definitely not going to have time to mention every cool thing about the Farquharsons. So if I don't cover something and you are very knowledgeable about the Farkasons, maybe you are one, and you think, well, you really should have included this, then go ahead and throw it in the down in the comments. Starting off, number one, the age of the clan, Farkasons. The Farkasons were a branch of the Shahs of Rothimurkus, who were a branch of the Macintoshes, who they're claims are that they are a branch of the Macduff Earls of Fife. Now, I can give you another source on this one. Go check out John Bannerman and his work on the Macduff Earls of Fife. And if you can't find that in a Google search, it's in his um, church, oh, community church. Oh, there's Anyway, I'll put... You've heard me mention this book before tons of times, but it's John Bannerman. There's the author, and you should be able to to figure out where to go from there. But there's a book that I have, and the name escapes me right off the top of my head. But that, um, go check that book out. It's got a ton of stuff on the Macduff Earls of Fife in there. And that's who the Macintoshes claim to be descended from. Shaw's being a branch of the Macintoshes. Farquharson's a branch of the Shaw's. So it just keeps on branching off. But it doesn't stop there, the coolness of this. See, the Macduff Earls of Fife, according to John Bannerman, were possibly given that title, that hereditary title of Earl of Fife, by their very close relatives, the kings of Alaba. You see, the Macduffs claim descent from a person, a person named Duff or Duv or something similar to that, who was actually one of the old McAlpin dynasty kings. 
And so they would have been very closely related to the, the people who are the, the, the kingship, the throne is passing down through this line and close enough that they could have possibly posed as competitors for the throne. And not only did they were they given the earldom of Fife as a hereditary title or a position within this kingdom, but they also held the unique role of being those who will crown the the king of of the king of Alaba and later the king of Scots. In fact, if you watch the the outlaw king and it has a female crowning Robert the Bruce, and that's actually she was a Macduff, and that's there's more to that story. There's a there's a backstory to that, but go ahead and and look into that. But that was actually a historically accurate piece of that movie, which overall was a a pretty historically accurate movie. So. That's just a little interesting thing. Now, the Macduff, Earls of Fife, being tied into this McAlpin dynasty, then therefore they go back, that takes takes them back, clear back into the 800s. And from the 800s, this the McAlpin dynasty claimed to be basically the, the heirs to the Canal Gabrine kindred, who were one of the two premier kindreds of the kingdom of Dalriada that pushed inland from their southwest Argyle slash southern Hebrides territory during the Viking Age. They pushed east, the, they merged their royal line with that of the Picts, and eventually became the, the kings of Alaba and later the kings of the Scots. So that's how far back the Farkersons can trace their stuff. So if you take that back, you're going clear back into the five or six hundreds, which is farther back than most Scottish clans can tie back into. So that's just something that's cool about the Farkersons. Another thing that I think is interesting about the Farkersons is their territory. Now, you've heard me mention in previous episodes that I'm always interested in these boundary areas, these frontiers, especially the frontier between lowland and highland. And I've taken an interest in some of the lowland clans or kindreds that have territory. Yeah, they're based out of the lowlands, but their territory extends into the highlands. And they would have clearly had a lot of dealings there. Examples of those would be the, the Gordons, the Grahams. And the interesting thing about the Grahams in that 1587 government document, they're listed as, even though they, they're... Strong, their, their headquarters would have been out of the mountains. Their territory extended into it, and they were listed as one of the clans who were um, more loyal to their, their chief than they were to their, their feudal chain of command. And so we see those two things existing side by side. Sometimes it was the same person, sometimes it wasn't. And, and it just shows how that frontier area was fuzzy, and it wasn't just a clear-cut line. And... Michael Newton has actually done some work that shows that Gallic was actually spoken up until fairly recent times. It wasn't like, okay, well, you're on that side of the Highland line, so you can't speak Gaelic. Well, you're on that side and you have to. It, it was a lot more complicated than that. And the, the Farkasons held territory. They were, they were Highland. They were in the mountains, but they were close. They were in the Eastern Highlands. And so we get the Western Highlands and Isles gets all this attention the Farkersons, their territory was in the Eastern Highlands. So that immediately makes it interesting to me because it's not in the limelight of Scottish clans. The Eastern 
highlands don't get as much attention. Now, scholars such as Alison Cathcart have written about that part of Scotland. And so if you want more on that, dive into some of her work. But um, they had this, so so their their territory was up there. Was, it was along the River Dee, and the uh, most the most famous castle that they held, and I maybe still hold. You can go and check that out. But it was Braemar Castle, Bra Braemar Castle, which was built. So the, in in that part, so in the, along the River Dee in the in the valley that that cuts up into the Eastern Highlands. That was part of the Earldom of Mar, which is held by the Erskins, that, that title was. And so as where their territory was, that would have meant that they were vassals of the Earl of Mar, the Erskine, whoever was the leading um, person in the Erskine family or clan. Now, they were becoming so powerful, though, that according to what I read, and I think this piece of information actually traces back to the Collins Scottish Clan of Family Encyclopedia, that John Erskine the Earl of Mar, in 1628, built Braemar Castle as, quote-unquote, a bulwark against them, meaning the, the Farkasons, because they're becoming so powerful. So that's interesting. And it, ironically, eventually, that castle would pass into their hands. And so that is probably their most famous one. But throughout the, the time period where the clans were operational, in the way that we're thinking of it, they were known as the Farkersons of Invercald, and that was their real stronghold during that that period of time. It didn't, the Braemar Castle didn't pass into their hands until 1716, which is kind of late into the clan period. Um, earlier than that, they would have they were the Farkersons of Invercald, and I believe that their chief is still styled the Farkerson of Invercald. And as far as his, the place name that's attached to his title or his position. And so that's that. And Invercald, if you look at a map, is just northeast of Braemar, just a little bit. So, and it's a it's a really cool looking place. The the, the castle, Braemar Castle, it all it's it's a really neat area, and it's very beautiful scenery in that part. Very cool mountain scenery, and uh, definitely definitely Highlanders. But they were close enough in this frontier region, and part of this what makes it so interesting to me is that if they wanted to go on raids, they could do so really easily just by going down that river valley of the Dee. And they, where that opens up, it comes right out into um, the, the lowland country just west of Aberdeen. So interesting where their territory was. Let me take a short break to talk. You know, I gave a shout out to USA Kilts at the beginning of the episode. Let me let me just take a about 30 seconds to talk a little bit more about them. The um, USA kilts. This is this is the best USA or the best kilt company in the U.S. They their their products, their kilts, and I, I'm speaking from firsthand experience here. Are is of the finest quality. And another thing I'm speaking from firsthand experience is the quality of their customer service. It's it's exemplary how they handled me as a customer. And so I I have no reservation in recommending them to you if you're in the market for a kilt or anything else that has to do with a kilt that you would wear with a kilt, from the ghillie brogues to the hose to the kilt pin to the sporins to the shirts that you could wear with them. You could go super formal. Highland wear. You could go traditional. They, you can get into the Philomore stuff, the great kilt, the the different types of headwear that go with them. The whole thing, vests, 
jackets, everything you can find on there, as well as some stuff that's not even kilt-related, t-shirts, polo shirts, jewelries, watches. It's all right there on usakilts.com. And I'd be remiss if I don't mention their YouTube channel. So if you're getting into to wearing a kilt or you're just interested in any of this part of Scottish culture, check out their their YouTube channel, USA Kilts. And you can get stuff, not only everything you'd ever want to know about the kilt, but they're also talking about the history and the culture and different fa facets of it. Um, they, they do uh, listener Q&A. So a lot of the information that they're presenting on the YouTube channel is from things that people have had questions about. So it's, it's a really good thing for um, anticipating what our questions would be because it's there. And in many cases, they're responding to listener questions that is, that would be common for people to have. So I really recommend you check out the YouTube channel too. All right. So the third thing that I think is interesting about the Farkersons is as a clan with such close ties to the Shaws and the Macintoshes, they were a member of Clan Hatton. Now I've done whole episodes on Clan Hatton. In fact, I, if you go back, I did an episode on the feud between the Macintoshes and the Camerons, which I did get into talking about the Clan Hatton quite a bit there. But let me just mention a couple of the points where they do connect in with the Clan Hatton. In there's in 1595, there's a bond of manrent that the Macintoshes and the and the Farkersons entered into, and I, and I believe there are other people, but in this document, the Farkersons acknowledged the McIntosh, chief, the McIntosh chief as their native chief. All right, so acknowledging that tie back into them. Other examples of their tie into the McIntosh, or the Clan Hatton Confederation is that during the Jacobite Rising of 1715, um, John Farkerson of Invercald, like I mentioned that they were they were styled, was a colonel in the Hatton Confederation Regiment, which was fighting for Bonnie Prince Charlie and as Jacobites. In fact, that was something that was notable about this clan, the Farkersons, that, that they were Jacobites generally in their in their leanings. In 1724, then, now, this is kind of interesting because this, this kind of leads into something, and this is one of the tangents that I'm going to get into, and it's, I'm still talking about the Farkersons the whole time, but it's, you'll see. In 1724, General Wade, who was kind of the commander-in-chief of all of Britain's, or the, the United Kingdom's um, forces in what they styled Northern Britain, all right, General Wade, in, he was commissioned by George I to write, a, write up a report on Scotland. Now, included in this, re, including any recommendations that he would have as far as what their course of action, how they should handle the this part of their kingdom. And in this report, he includes the fighting strength of several of the major clans of Scotland. So this is a really interesting dive into, if you want to get a snapshot in 1724, so in between the 1750 and the 1745 Jacobite rebellions, about how many guys, fighting men, different chiefs in the Highlands could bring to bear on a battlefield. And in this report, General Wade mentions that the the combined force of the Farkersons and the Macintoshes totaled 800. I think that was interesting that they should mention the Farkersons and the Macintoshes, but like I said, 
they're a branch of a branch of the Macintoshes, and they're part of the Hatton Confederation. Now, speaking of fighting man capability, while we're on that topic, and this is the slight tangent I want to get into, um, Duncan Forbes in 1745 writes of the Farquharsons, because if you listen to that last statistic of 800, yeah, but how many were Farquharsons, how many were Macintoshes? Well, I know this is about 20 years down the road, but Duncan Forbes tells us that the Farquharsons could bring 500 men to a battlefield, fighting men. Now, in the actual 1745 rebellion, the Battle of Inverurie, the Farquharsons brought 300 men to the battle, and it was a success for their side, the Jacobite side. So that's just a little information I think is interesting. Um, they, the Farquharsons were known. This is I think comes out of the, also comes out of the Scottish clan and family encyclopedia, but they're known in some source. It mentions them as the Fighting Farquharsons, and I don't, you know, the, the Highlands and it's sometimes more than others were just. That's what you did was you fight, especially in the 1500s. That seemed to be uh, with the collapse of the the lordship of the Isles in the late 1400s. It seems like that was a, the 1500s were a very violent, turbulent time period for the Highlands of Scotland and and for the border country too, because that's where you see the heyday of the border clans was in the 1500s. And so, but in that in a warlike culture. I can think of different clans who I, I know I can think of specific, like they were at it a lot. Um, off the top of my head, the the Camerons, different branches of the McDonald's, the um, the McGregors. And I, and I didn't see how active I didn't. I, my my research before this episode didn't lead me into um, seeing how often they were at some kind of warlike endeavor to gain the name Fighting Farquharsons, but I'm sure they got it somehow, and so maybe that's something one of you knows who's listening to this, and you can post in the comments and share, where did, how did they get that? Did, did it come from something specific? Um, was it the Jacobite rebellions and their involvement in that, or does it go back to the 1500s, and were they cattle thieving sons of guns, or how did they get that title? So there's there's a question to throw out to, the, to all you listeners. The fourth thing I think is interesting about the Farquharsons is similar to other Highland chiefs like the Campbells, like the Frasers, uh, Frasers the, the chief of the Farquharsons, this chiefly line, they would inherit a, especially the chief himself would inherit a Gallic name that was separate from Farquharson. And in the case of the Farquharsons, their chief would in the man who would in, become the chief of the clan would become it's so let me I'm just, in, in Gallic it would say like it would sound like McKinley. What that is is that's son of Finley. So son of Finley in, in Gallic when you drop that H by the F it you just kind of breathe past it to when that whenever you show possession. And so what what was originally Finley, when you're showing a son of, becomes Mac Finley, and it sounds, with that H breathing past it, it sounds like McKinley. And so that's something something like that. One of you Gallic speakers can maybe tighten that up a little bit. But So that makes the chief of the Farquharsons in in his Gallic title similar to the Campbells, who the, I've mentioned before, the chief of the Campbells was McCollin Moore, and I believe 
the, the, the chief of the Frasers was Makimi, which is son of Simon. And Simon was a very popular name amongst the Frasers, both Highland and Lowland. Yep, there's two different branches of the Frasers that were one Highland, one Lowland. The Lowland was the original branch. Then a, a, a branch of them got um, territory up in the Highlands anyway. They become the Makimi, the, the son of Simon. So you have this great person in the Campbell lineage of Colin, and so subsequent chiefs, even though they're the chief of a kindred that's named Campbell, they're known as McCollin, and the, the kindred name of Fraser, the chief of that kindred, inherited the title McKamey. And so the Farkersons were similar. The chief of the Farkersons would be McKinley. And they still have a chief today. That brings me to my last thing that I want to make of note about the, the Farkersons is that there, there's several clans today. Now, what it means to be a chief today isn't the same thing as what it meant to be a chief in the 1500s or 1600s. But the chief of the Farkersons today is Captain Alwyn Arthur Compton Farkerson of Invercald who was confirmed by the Lord Lyon in 1949 as McKinley. Now, y'all, this, this, is, this is coming straight off of the, the Farquharson's clan website, their UK website. And so if, if my information here isn't up to date, then go ahead and feel free. I won't be offended at all. You just go throw that in the comments and tune that up. But I'm just trusting that the website is up to date, which is maybe quite a big stretch, but because um, some of that stuff gets left alone. But the now another thing that's interesting, so they still have a chief today, and the Farquharson estate, check this out, it it's about 200,000 acres of Grampian Mountain countryside, forests, moors, and this, this is in western Aberdeenshire. So interesting. That's quite a big territory. So there, there you have it. There's five things I think are interesting about the Farquharsons. So thank you for joining me today. If you want to reach out, you can, I actually have an email now and it, like, again, it's kind of a uh, low budget for now until I get my own website up and running, but it's the Scottish clans at gmail.com. Okay. So go ahead and make your jokes. I'm just piggybacking off of Gmail for this, but um, if you want to send me a personal message, you don't want to post it on the Facebook group. It just wants to be something between me and you. Go ahead and post it there. Um, but there's other avenues that you can do that as well. You can send me a message um, on the Scottish. Some There's a lot of you that are still using the Scottish Clans page, which I kind of drifted away. Like I don't post episodes there anymore, but I still get messages that pop up on there. And I get notifications on Facebook that have, hey, you've got a message on the page as opposed to the group. And so, so I do, I do still check that and I, um, I, I'm still responding to people on there. So that's another place that you can actually send me a personal message, but I transferred the Facebook community to a group so that you all could interact with each other on that, which you couldn't do on the Facebook page. It was just me posting stuff. And if you wanted to read it, cool. If you want to respond to me, cool, but, uh, it just wasn't as, as good for interaction. So, um, if you want to throw something out there that you think everybody should know or, you want to comment in the posts or in the in the comments below this post on the Facebook group and give me some of that information I asked for during it if you have it or just want have other thoughts or whatever. You just want to engage with the community, go to the Facebook group. 
You can also leave me reviews on Apple Podcast. Um, you can reach out on Podbean too. You can send me specific messages on that as well. Just wanted to mention some of the f- different platforms that you can reach out on if you want to become involved, you want to interact, you want to discuss. I'm I really that's one of the most satisfying things about this doing this podcast is I get to nerd out with other people who want to nerd out about Scottish clans. So thank you for joining me for this episode on the Farkersons. And until next time, Marshen Lave and Rasta.